skies of Minnesota sports flowing in their veins. Mackie and Judd on Score North and scorenorth.com. It's Tuesday, which means it's bonus scoop time. Zolgad, executive producer Declan Goff, and the star of the Scoop Show, the Scoop Podcasts. Yes, yes, Darren Doogie Wolfson, Channel oh, Five Eyewitness News. Definitely and not a star. Star-Nor- Turn around and look at look at the camera. You're the star. You are the star of the show. Definitely not a star, but we'll um, get through it, Judd. I just got back from the dentist. Yep. So yours truly had multiple cavities for the first time in a really long time. Uh, Come my on, mouth, Doogie. like, I don't no know sugar. how long this numbness is going to last. Yep. Like, my mouth, like, I look okay, I think. I think you look I'm great. talking okay, yeah, I think. I great, think. My mouth good. is like, seriously, it's like I took like a Mike Tyson left hand, like right here. It's just, it's all jacked up. Cut oh. down, you know what, Doogie? Take away the sugar, the candies, no, the non-diet to soda. It's going to help you out. Here's where it's tough, Judd. So I've got two kids who love candy who, going back to October 31st, Halloween, hit, like, 300 houses. Love it. So, guilty as charged. Like, it was inevitable. Uh-huh. As they yep. leave their candy bag out, yep. what yep. do okay. I do? Uh-uh. It's one after another. And so, going back to October, yeah, I just I consumed a ton of candy. Then went to the dentist for my yearly checkup. Oh, boy. Second week of November. Oh, boy. Like, it was just, it was really bad timing. Your timing's off. So, the cavities hit me. I think they had been there for a little bit anyway. But everything mm. got sped up after I ate all that candy after Halloween. And mm. lo and behold, I got those cavities filled today. Well, I'm glad I'm glad that you got the problem taken care of. Next year, dentist, like three months from from October instead of right after. Yes. Good call. Yes. Halloween. Or like so, I usually go time. once a year. They recommend going twice a year. I typically go once a year. Yeah. Like, I'll time it out and try to make it like in the summer. Yeah. As opposed to like November, December. Normally, you know, I just I push it back, right? And then for insurance purposes, I need to get in before the calendar flips. Yeah. And so I've done this I year after you. year. I get in November or December. I, pain. I need to plan ahead a little bit better. I need to get in during the summer. All right, scoops wise, let's start yeah. with the let's start with the they're red hot, they're not red hot, they're red hot, they're not red hot Timberwolves, who again are red hot. What can you tell me about the wolves? Well, they still have five guys in the health and safety protocols, you know, situation, right? Anthony Edwards and Torian Prince and Josh Okogie, Patrick Beverly, Jared Vanderbilt. I checked on three of those guys before this conversation, Judd. All three are pretty much asymptomatic. It is very frustrating that they have to isolate, yet they are feeling fine. I know the NFL is transitioning to some new protocols. The time the NBA takes a look at the situation and says, okay, if guys are vaccinated, in this case, these guys are vaccinated and they are asymptomatic, what about allowing them to play? I just know for a majority of those guys, I haven't checked on all five, but a majority of those guys, they could play tonight in Dallas. Interesting. Uh, do, do you have an inkling that the league would go in that direction? Because f- football is going in that very direction starting this week. And so so if you feel fine, you will not be tested. If you tell them, I don't feel fine, you will be. My guess, a lot of guys on good teams are going to say, I feel fine. Is there any inkling or reason to believe, uh, Doogie, that the NBA would go in the direction that football has gone in right now? There's not. I would say it's fluid. But knowing Adam Silver enough, at least his line of thinking, 
I guess I would be surprised. That being said, the NBA is not interested in postponing games, even though they have certainly Mm -hmm. canceling games. They plan on playing every game. If a game has to get postponed, they will make up said game down the road. You think about what's upcoming here on, I guess it would be what, Saturday, Christmas Day, the five games on Christmas. There was an internal memo that was sent out among the 10 teams, so five games, 10 teams playing on Christmas, for them to be open to the possibility of, we need to fill those ABC games. Yeah, the ESPN games are great, but we have multiple ABC games. We need to ensure that we have these games on ABC. So guess what? Boston and whoever else, I forget what the first game is. Maybe it's Atlanta, New York. Hey, Hawks and Knicks. It is. Guess what? Be ready that instead of playing at noon Eastern time, 11 a.m. Central time, you know, in the event that there's some more outbreaks, guess what? We need we, we need to push you back later in the day. So interesting. They're all about you know being flexible in that regard. It is unbelievable though. I mean, you look on social media, Jed, about every five minutes, there's a new player that pops up on the list. Like five mm-hmm. minutes ago, it happened to be Contavious Caldwell Pope of the Washington Wizards. This morning, Fred Van Vliet, really good player for the Toronto Raptors. I'm telling you, during the course of this conversation, if Declan has Twitter up. We'll see yet another announcement. I did check this morning just to see if any more Timberwolves have tested positive. I've not heard of any further positive tests. But I'm telling you, much like the situation as a whole, each individual team, it's fluid. My phone is handy. I will certainly pass along if if any news develops. And and now, so because of what you just um, talked about there, Doogie, Teams are now being given far more ability to also sign players quickly and play them, correct? Yeah, they are. So, yeah, I mean, there are dozens upon dozens of players that are signing 10-day contracts right now. In fact, Twin Cities native Ade Murky was with the Wolves in the preseason last year, played for the Iowa Wolves. He transitioned to Sacramento's G League affiliate in the summer. He just got called up by the Sacramento Kings. So that's a really cool deal for a Twin Cities kid that has flown under the radar. He went out to the University of Denver, played at St. Croix Lutheran in West St. Paul, then went to the University of Denver. You know, you're you're in the Summit League, you fly under the radar. He wasn't even first team all-conference. You know, he didn't get drafted, but now this kid gets to achieve a dream. Now I don't know if he'll end up in a game, but he can say he signed an NBA contract. Mm-hmm. The Bulls have added two guys, Rajon Tucker, who's been a good G League player, who they had in for a – a pre-draft workout summer of 19. So they've had a book on him going back multiple years. Been a really good player. He's had a cup of coffee in the NBA with Philadelphia, with a couple other teams. So he'll be on the Wolves bench tonight. They added Chris Silva from their Iowa, you know, G League team. So he'll be in Dallas tonight. Their two-way guys, McKinley Wright, Nathan Knight, have been called up. So the Wolves do have reinforcements. Judd, they may also add yet another player you know, off the street. It may be a guy from the Iowa Wolves. Maybe it's Isaiah Miller or somebody else. But there's still discussions about adding yet another body. It's all about survival of the fittest right now. The team they're playing tonight, Dallas, added a player to the COVID list the other day. That player happened to play on Sunday against Patrick Beverly and Jared Vanderbilt. Now, maybe those two have the virus because of this Dallas player, Kleber, right? But we just we don't know that, but like it's unbelievable right now. But 
thankfully, Judd, a lot of these guys, just the symptoms are not there. Heck, I just saw a tweet that Governor Walls has tested positive for COVID. Him, his wife, his son, who's in ninth grade, thankfully, among the three of them, mild symptoms. Yeah. Him and his wife don't even have Go symptoms. Ahead. Yeah. You know, the, the ninth mild. grader, mild symptoms. Yeah. I don't know if you're still positive or not, but, you know, it seems like the vaccine is working in always that positive. regard. I'm always yeah. positive. I'm a positive no, you're, sports you're right. guy. Yeah. Yeah. That's why you're the sports Glass guy, half right? full. Yeah. Glass half yeah. full. Damn it. Oh, That's yeah. right. When I think of Judd's all good, I definitely think of glass half full. But, yeah, so you think about all these tests, you know, and, and for these NBA players, they need to produce 24 hours apart, two negative tests. Yep. You know, so even though they're asymptomatic, if they're still – you know, testing positive, they can't necessarily play. But I'm telling you, the good thing is, you know, most of these wolves are feeling just fine. So as soon as they can produce that second negative test over a 24-hour period, they will be back in. But as far as I can tell, nothing has changed in regards to tonight's game. You know, then they play, what, Utah on Thursday night. We'll we'll keep an eye if things change heading into Thursday. So um, four consecutive wins now going into the game that you just talked about, which is Tuesday night against the Mavs in Dallas. Two of those wins have been without Ant, who, um, to the point of our conversation just now, has been on that COVID protocol list. What do you make of this team, Dukes? Because I, I looked this up. The winning streaks have been like five and four and four. They've also lost six consecutive and five. Like, like it, it, it has been within the first 30 games of the season so far, the ultimate roller coaster type of year. When you look at this team, do you see it trending towards taking off? Do, do you see this being the trend of you're up, you're down, you're up? What what do you make of what I think is, a, at its best, a fun team to watch and a compelling team? But I guess, for lack of a better term, sort of a weird team at times, too. Well, definitely a weird team, a maddening team oftentimes. To me, Judd, though, they are who I thought they would be preseason. Like they're going to end up in that 37 to 42 win territory. You know, maybe they can skew over 500, but unless reinforcements are brought in from the trade market, which Sachin Gupta continues to talk to teams about. And I, you know, if I had to bet, you know, it may not be a a monster trade, but I anticipate at least a minor trade. So some sort of reinforcement being brought in to help the front court, you know, so let's reevaluate when that move is made. The trade deadline isn't until the second week of February, but, you know, they're talking right now. Heck, they can make a trade, you know, tomorrow. It takes two to tango, but they're very open-minded to doing something immediately. But as long as we're evaluating this current roster, I think they fall in that sweet spot of 37 to 41, 42 wins. That's what I thought preseason. But the roller coasters are fascinating, right? It's a six-game winning streak, a four-game winning streak, but a seven-game losing streak. They are a really good team. When they have their full complement of players, we know how good the starting five of D'Lo, Ant, you've got Vanderbilt, you've got Cat, and who am I leaving out there? Bev, I guess, right? Uh-huh. That fivesome is really, really good. Find a way to keep that fivesome together for 72 games or so. They f- should skew closer to the 42 win mark, not the 37 or 36 win mark. I'll also say they've caught some breaks along the way. Now, Hey, they played without Ant, right? They'll play tonight without three-fifths of their starting lineup. So who should we be, you know, know, in terms of talking about breaks? But, you know, no Luka Doncic on Sunday. No Luka Doncic tonight. You play Portland with Damian Lillard, 
just coming back from being out multiple weeks. No C.J. McCullough, right? Dallas is dealing with with some guys being out. Sure, they were controlling that game on Friday against the Lakers pretty good, but Anthony Davis did miss over half the game, right? Now, he's out a month. But I'll tell you what, like, if you're the Wolves, I think it's okay. Like, I don't think it's nuts, Judd, to start thinking about a realistic path to securing a six seed, a top six seed. I don't know if you get as high as five, but could you get to six? Phil would be so excited. Look at the Lakers right now. That's a team with so many warts. Dallas? Now, when Dallas has its full complement of guys, Dallas is better, you know, in my mind, than the Wolves. But they may be dealing with some stuff for a little bit. Now, you know, Christoph Porzingis, questionable tonight. He's always an injury roller coaster, Uh right? You know, even Luka's, you know, had his share of of issues. He's too fat. You're too fat. Lose well, weight, he admitted dude. that. Yeah, he admitted yeah. that. Hit, take you off know? those babies. Yeah, he's still weight. one hell of a player, right, even at he's 260 player. pounds. Yeah. But, you know, he's even admitted that in, in recent weeks that, that yeah. yeah, he came into camp just out of shape. But, yeah, I mean, like Portland, we don't know when McCollum will be back. You know, Denver, you know, Jamal Murray's still going to be out for at least a couple months. You know, Michael Porter Jr., out for the year. Dozier, a good role player, out for the year. Like, if the Wolves can catch, you know, some injury luck the rest of the way, you know, hopefully D'Angelo Russell doesn't have, you know, an ankle that's that's nagging him, you know, throughout the year. Like, I'm telling you, like, I don't think it's nuts to think about them finding a way to ascend as high as that six seed. Maybe it's more realistic that they fall in that 7 to 10 category. You know, I know Houston has won some games over the last few weeks. I know Oklahoma City plays really hard. Maybe even New Orleans is playing a tick better. Maybe mm-hmm. Sacramento and San Antonio are playing a tick better. The Wolves, Judd, are clearly better than those five teams. right? So you don't need to worry about finishing 11, 12, 13, 14, or 15 in the Western Conference. You are going to finish in the top 10, you know, unless you know, multiple catastrophic injuries occur. But you are going to finish in the top 10. Now it's all about, to me at least, seeding. So they're in a good spot. They are, you know, and remember it was a few weeks ago. We started to look at their schedule for December and we're like, uh Oh, like when's their next layup game. And we came to the conclusion it's early January against Oklahoma city. It really don't matter right now. Like we're past the one third mark of the season. This is a pretty healthy sample size. We've seen enough to say, okay, like finally, you know, we've been yearning for this. You know, now I get it. Three years ago, April of 2018, we had it for, for a stretch. But we've been yearning for meaningful basketball in April. We are going to get meaningful basketball here coming up in April. Dukes, I believe I saw 538 has them at 40 and 42 by the end of the year, which would put them yeah. at the eighth seed. And I think ESPN, and I might have this flipped, excuse me, but basically around 500 and them as the seventh seed. So basically, both ESPN and 538, the data-driven uh, websites, they are suggesting that the Wolves will be inside the top eight and should have about a 60% chance, as it stands now, to make the postseason. So with a little bit of luck, Declan, maybe instead of being the eight or the seven, you find a way to slip up to that six seed. Like, I'm just saying, it's not, it's not ridiculous to talk about, which, you know, the bar is significantly low for this franchise. We're not expecting a whole lot. You know, but I just I don't think it's nuts to raise that bar ever so slightly and say, okay, while the play in tournament, we'll take it, we'll welcome it with open arms. Like, let's find a way to avoid the play in tournament.
let's get all the way up to that six seed. Transitioning to the Vikings, who won uh, um, against the Bears last night in Chicago and Doogie, what I think might have been one of the, and this is saying something because there's a lot of bad games, one of the ugliest games, but a win. Um, in my opinion, while this did temporarily put the Vikings in the seventh seed, and obviously if Washington beats uh, Philly tonight, uh, the Vikings will fall to eighth, and, and Washington will jump into that last playoff seed in the conference. But in my opinion, this doesn't change a lot, but it does create at least some intriguing drama going into the game against the Rams. But here's my one question. After we watched Akeem Hicks destroy the interior of the Vikings line last night, who, who pray tell on earth is going to stop Aaron Donald against the Rams? Well, not only Aaron Donald, but then you've got Kenny Clark the week after, you know, if he's okay. And then you have the rematch against the Bears and Akeem Hicks. Yep. That last game, that Week 18 game at U.S. Bank Stadium, which they may need to win to get into the playoffs. I agree. I mean, that was that was hard to watch. Like, I'm sure Mason Cole, you know, all these hours later is still having nightmares about Akeem Hicks. I don't think they have a realistic solution. Like, people have blown up my timeline. Not blown up, but I've gotten a few questions about Wyatt Davis. It's performance-based. It's not like he's doing anything yeah, crazy behind the scenes. Now. He's not playing now. I don't think they go back to Ole Udo, who, you know, they've come to the conclusion, which they probably should have months ago. He's more comfortable at tackle right. than guard. Right. This is their offensive line moving forward for better or for worse. I'll also say this with intrigue this week. When's the last time they were over 500? They have yet another opportunity to finally get over 500. We have to go all the way back to the 2019 season. That's remarkable. The last time they were over 500. Yet if they find a way to beat the Rams on Sunday, short week, right? I mean, you know, it's to the Vikings' favor that the Rams have to play tonight then have to travel here for a game on Sunday. Advantage Vikings. The Vikings have yet another opportunity to finally get over that 500 hump. Um, so we we saw that on Saturday, Bashad Breland got, got himself cut. Uh, take us take us inside because you you uh, fed me some information about what transpired there. To what exactly prompted Breland being cut? Basically, right after practice Saturday, in preparation for a Monday game. Well, I mean, he's run his mouth at practice going back many many weeks. I mean, there were stories about him when they signed him, right? And I'm sure they knew about at least some of the red flags, yet they were so desperate for secondary help, they decided to roll the dice. But, like, I don't think there are a lot of league people surprised it got to this point. Mm. But, yeah, it got to the point of, you know, him egging on Dalvin Cook, some other guys, you know, the trash talking, you know, going to another level, him eventually getting into it with Mike Zimmer, with some other coaches, you know, him eventually getting up to Rick Spielman's office where Spielman tried to calm him down. It was just a cluster bleep of a of an afternoon Saturday at TCO Performance Center. They had no choice. They had to make the move. They had to get that toxic energy out of the locker room. They just had to. I'm surprised, frankly, it took this long. Doogie, did you hear anything about a player needing uh, an emergency eye exam after Friday's practice? I did not, but I've heard a lot of different things. What did you hear, Declan? I heard a certain player uh, 
let's just say, had to have an emergency eye exam on Saturday morning because there was a little bit of a scuffle on Friday where a prominent Vikings player potentially almost had uh, his cornea scratched. I will say, from what I was told, that the exam was fine, but I did hear something about that. I don't know if you heard anything about that either. I had not. I will check on that, though, Declan. That would not surprise me. Uh, I think a lot of fans, well, maybe not a lot, but I think enough fans would be surprised at some of the stories from practice. Now, we don't get to watch practice. There's a reason why we don't get to watch practice. It gets very physical at times. Uh, The mouths get going. Uh, There's a lot of crap that happens during the course of a season during football practice. And so, Declan, what you're describing on Friday wouldn't surprise me one bit. I will certainly certainly check on that. You know, the other Vikings note would be, you know, we talked in this slot last Tuesday – six days ahead of the game, I said it was trending in the right direction on Adam Thielen. Yep. Now, you know, if, if you were on social media last night, there were multiple outlets that, that put out some video of him moving. Yep. He wasn't moving very well, but the point was he was trending in the right direction. This was never going to be a, a five- or a six-week injury, put him on injured reserve. You know, did they bleep this situation up like they did with Anthony Barr with Michael Pierce? No. You know, I'm telling you, like he was even trying to push to play in the Steelers game. He definitely wanted to play last night. I think they realized after that pregame workout, like, no. You know, I think, you know, just looking at who the Bears had out, that probably played a role too. Like, if that was a win-or-go-home game last night, a playoff game, maybe Thielen finds a way to fight through, even if he's just more of a decoy. My point is, he was really, really close to playing. This is not a season-ending type injury. Yeah, and and on on that, turf there is no way he should play like that is as bad a turf because that grass that grass is chewed up if if it's still the the same as it was back in my days on the beat the park board runs that field the chicago park board runs it it's a complete mess So, so like if there's a place where i'm not going to have a guy with an ankle problem come back or knee problem Soldier Field atop that list. So do, do you think he now plays against the Rams on Sunday or, or is what we saw last night where you're right, it looked like he was not moving well. Does he probably not play until the Packers game in Green Bay the next week, do you think? I mean, I think there's a realistic chance he plays against the Rams, but let me remind you, I mean, it's a borderline grade two, grade three type sprain. That is a many weeks type I know. recovery. So yeah. if he plays even against the Rams, that's pushing the timeline up pretty significantly. But I'm telling you, like, he was pushing. I'm telling you, when he woke up yesterday, I'll just tell you this, Jeff. When he woke up yesterday in Chicago, his mindset was, I'm playing tonight. And that's him, right? Sure. And that's a lot of guys. I mean, he's wired a different way. A lot of professional athletes are wired a different way. It's like Dalvin Cook coming back from a pretty significant shoulder injury as soon as he did. And then all of a sudden, you know, he doesn't have the harness, right? He didn't wear the harness unless I missed it. I don't think he had the harness on last night. He had the hardest for the one game against Pittsburgh. That was it, Mm -hmm. right? And Mm -hmm. that was supposed to be a three- or four-week type recovery. But the steel and ankle injury is supposed to be a many-week type recovery back to 100%. But I'm telling you, when he woke up yesterday in Chicago, like there's a reason why he made the trip, Sure, right? Like if he knew there was no chance, he would have just stayed back. He would not have hopped on the airplane on Sunday. When he woke up yesterday in Chicago, the mindset was, I am playing tonight. So the point is – He's close, at least in his mind. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, is it realistic to think that he can come back in, in five days, play against the Rams in a game the Vikings probably need to have? Right? Like, if you are going to make the playoffs, I think you probably need to beat the Rams. 
So, yeah, I think it's realistic to think he can be back there on Sunday. Question off, I believe it, this came out after we did the scoop last week, Doogie. Um, and you came to my house to watch this game. So I know on the surface why why the Colorado Buffaloes uh, saw that Mike Sanford Jr. ran an offense with the Gophers that put up 30 points and is the best thing since sliced bread or the greatest show on turf. But I would also imagine that the Buffalo staff sat down and watched more film than just one game, Bowling Green film, for instance, Illinois film. What is your theory or perhaps what have you heard about how the heck Mike Sanford Jr. has bamboozled another program into hiring a guy who every offense he touches play calling-wise, in my opinion, um, gets worse, not better? Yeah, I mean, it's been a multi-year down spiral, right? You know, you can maybe go back 10 years and point to some success, but yeah. in the last few years, it hadn't been there. It's recruiting inroads, Judd. He's got a lot of West Coast connections. It's Colorado looking at itself and saying, can we do marketedly better than him? Wow. You know, so I'm not surprised he landed another opportunity. I'm not sure I would have bet it would have been a power five. You know, I may have bet more on, you know, a Toledo-type school, an Akron-type school, but I'm not shocked that he's been given another opportunity to call plays. You know, he's got enough relationships, right? And he can still point to, okay, like you want to point to the Illinois game. He can say, frankly, it didn't matter what the heck I called that game. They physically manhandled us. They kicked our ass in the trenches, both sides of the ball. You know, we can... We can point to different reasons why they failed miserably in the Bowling Green game, but the Illinois game, that wasn't a hard one to dissect. Like, they just, Illinois' defensive line, Illinois' offensive line kicked the Gophers' ass. It was the one game a year that Sam Schluter, left tackle, who's good, it's the one game a year, he's had one game a year going back multiple years, where he just, he gets overrun. He gets bulldozed, you know, and, and that was the game. You know, so if you're Sanford, you can justify the poor showing that day. You can also point to the success of the running game. I'm sure he was able to sell Colorado on, we're down to our fourth and fifth running backs, and yet we found a way, right? He could also argue, I don't know if he did, but, hey, playing Tanner Morgan wasn't my decision. Like, I wanted to play Zach Anikstead, you know? and His so aggression, I think, though. Yeah, I just I think there were ways for him to justify the failures of the last two years in that interview with Colorado with his recruiting connections. You know, he's got a certain charisma about him. We didn't get to talk to him very often, certainly in person over Zoom plenty. But there's a certain charisma about him. Like he's got this presence about him where I'm just telling you, you know, right or wrong. I'm just telling you, I'm not surprised that he landed another job this fast. Godspeed. Final scoops. Lamb well, I'm happy. Here. Yeah, I'm happy. I was over at St. Thomas for men's basketball practice on Friday. Johnny Tower, the head coach over there, yep. one of my guys. Super happy for him. They won their Summit League opener last night. You know, they're now 6-6 six and six in this first year of Division One. Now, two of the wins are not Division One opponents, but last night they beat Omaha. You know, Omaha has had a decent run going back many years. Not this year, but Omaha has always been – you know, respectable, you know, they didn't get blown out this year playing Purdue, Mm -hmm. some other power five schools. Well, St. Thomas goes to Omaha last night. They win the game. Like my expectation is tomorrow night at Denver. They win that game. 
Like, I think they have a chance in this first year in Division One to finish top half of their conference, top half of the Summit League. And it's a cool story. Like, their starting five, Judd, is their starting five from last year when they played a condensed COVID schedule, but a Division Three schedule. It's all kids from the Twin Cities, all kids that grew up within 30 minutes of campus. You know, and we're just we're seeing that there really isn't that much of a difference, you know, high level division three compared to, you know, mid-major division one. Like good coaching matters. You know, chemistry matters. The way they move the ball, they have a 0.5 second rule. Like if you have the ball for more than 0.5 seconds, you need to do something with it. It's a lot of ball movement. They shoot a lot of threes. They make a lot of threes. They play a really fun brand of basketball. Like I'm just telling you, if you're if you're a basketball fan and you're looking for something to do January, February, find a St. Thomas men's home game. Head over to St. Paul to watch a Tommy's home game. I may even try to get over there on New Year's Day. You know, we have a crew covering the the Winter Classic. I'm sure you'll be at Target Field. I may be over at at St. Thomas play. watching Western Illinois against St. Thomas in a in a Summit League game. Look at you, Mr. Hoops. Always true to hoops. I am. Always true to hoops. You know, and it's not just the men. I mean, the women are, are making the transition as well. You know, I, I know we're proud at Score North to be the home of, of Tommy's Athletics. I yeah. think they made the right hire for men's hockey. They're not having success wins and losses wise with men's hockey. But I actually think of the major sports, I think men's hockey Top can one. maybe jump up the highest, the soonest. Right. And I'm talking about the success of basketball, the football team in the Pioneer League. Had a really good first year, and Glenn Caruso is an unbelievable football coach. But yep. I'm telling you, hockey with with all the recruiting here in town, you know, within you know a three four hour radius here of the Twin Cities, I'm telling you, hockey can jump up really really fast. And behind the scenes, Judd, they continue to make pretty good progress in an arena. Like I think we'll have news. It may not be in the next two or three months, but Where? maybe at some point in 2022. Highland Park. You know, yeah, I've, I've heard I've heard similar scoops too that they're they're in talks of building a new arena. Nice. Mm-hmm. I've heard some yeah, very scoops. nice. So they're making progress. Very nice. All right, sir. We, we'll talk to you on Thursday for more scoops, and then next Tuesday, hopefully, for more bonus scoops. Always enjoy it. Thanks, Doogie. Sounds good, Judd. Yeah, my mouth is still numb, and I'm coughing. I'm you did still a great job. Whatever. Great job. No, you did a great job. No, you came so, yeah. through this week. Nice work. Okay. Sounds See good. You, you want to talk on Thursday? Yep. Thursday? Yep, Thursday. Thursday. Okay, we'll talk Thursday. I'm good. Love it. Perfect. See you, boys. Bye-bye. Yep.